0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team. On WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue.
2: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined here today by Tony Baskaya from Revsnet.com. Uh, we joined later on in the show by Frank Delappa from the Boston Globe. Uh, big result last night for the Revs, a 2-1 victory over the New York Red Bulls. Uh, didn't start so well for the Revolution with uh, Josie Altidore scoring in the 30th minute to get the Red Bulls the lead. But right after halftime, Matt Reese with a very long goal kick up to Twelman right at the top of the box and a perfect first touch by Twelman. Had kind to of split three defenders there as he went on his way to scoring that goal uh, just 30 seconds after the half. And then a stunning own goal in the 80th minute by Carlos Mendez. I think that one goes more on John Conway, though, uh, for not reacting really at all to that one until it was far too late and letting that one get by him. Uh, not not the uh, prettiest way to win, but uh, three points the rest will take nonetheless.
3: Of course. Uh, good teams win games like this. Uh, in the dark days of the Revolution, this is the, exactly the kind of game that we couldn't pull out in uh, some way. These days we're finding a way to get the results. And uh, as you said, that was an outstanding play by Taylor on Uh, A very long kick, a very difficult ball to trap, and he put it right in his own stride and walked in and scored. That's an an outstanding world-class play. Uh, Matt Reese, beyond making that pass for the assist, also played an outstanding game, kept us uh, within striking distance. And then, as you said, there was an unfortunate um, touch by uh, Carlos Mendes. Uh, From the sideline, from that distance, you would never expect that your goalie couldn't get to a ball like that. But... Um, John Conway for for some reason misjudged it and then even attempted to catch it with his hands knowing that it would be a, a foul or a, an indirect kick but uh, he couldn't get to it and uh, it, better that it happened to them than to us it seems like in a, in our distant past it happened to us all the time so it's nice to have that reversed
2: yeah and talking to some of the players after the match they said similar similar sentiments but how in the past they've been the unlucky ones and it's finally finally good to have some of the luck go their their way but uh, the Red Bulls haven't been playing uh, extremely well lately. They had a loss to D.C. at midweek uh, before this match, and then they had a, uh, a win over the Galaxy, but one which they allowed four goals, which certainly certainly wouldn't make Bruce Arena happy to see his team give up that many uh, to a Galaxy team that's had certainly a lot of, lot of struggles of their own. Uh, but it was very good to see the Rebs get this win, especially with D.C. also winning last night. D.C. now only three points behind the Revolution uh, with two games in hand. Uh, it's, it's not not an easy race for the revs at the top there in the east
3: no it's not and and is looking great they have a game in hand they could uh, catch up with us and um uh, the the next few games are going to be crucial especially the head-to-head matchups with us and, and dc but uh if you look at the schedule uh, it it's a grueling schedule through the summer and now some of the key games are coming up and uh luciano emilio got injured uh it, it's going to be tough um uh, it, that's why it's very critical for us to have gotten those points last night. You know, um, it, it doesn't matter which players are hurt and which players are in there. Whoever the eleven are that step out there, they have to perform. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have the depth that we'd like. But the guys that that have been out there have consistently pulled out the results, and we can't argue.
2: And you talk about the schedule. The Revs don't have another game. Uh, Until September 4th, that being the Open Cup semifinal, they don't return to league action until they face DC uh, on September 9th uh, in DC. That's going to be a very tough game for the team. Uh, But but DC has a very tough schedule between those two. Between that matchup, they face FC Dallas on the road uh, next Saturday. Dallas on the top of the Western Conference uh, and doing very well. And right right after that, plays Chivas USA, who has the best home record in MLS. Uh, So certainly DC has has two games in hand, but those are two games that are not going to be easy for them to win. No, they're not. Uh,
3: and you know, just uh, with LA being on the road all the time, and uh, the Revs have been pretty fortunate. We've had very good results on the road, um, but it's it's always tougher to play on the road. Uh, hopefully, we can get a result at DC. It's not that big of a long uh, a long trip, uh, but they're always a tough team. I mean, DC and the Revs have been probably the best, most exciting matchups especially when we come down uh, the tail end of the season and into the playoffs, we've had some of the best games. Now, that, uh, that New York-LA game was, was an outstanding game for anybody that likes to watch good, exciting, attacking soccer. And um, it, It's just one of those things where New York having to play that game then going into D.C. and then coming to play us. I, I expected that New York would be lucky to get any points this week with, the, with those two matchups. Uh, after the first half of our game, I actually thought that they were in a pretty good position uh, to pull some points out of this one. But, but the Revs regrouped. Uh, we did what we had to do, and, uh, of course, we've got our killer striker, and then came through for us, and then uh, that unfortunate incident clinched it. But it, it could have gone either way, and that's um, any any of the games. There's been very few blowouts this year. Uh, the Revs at Colorado is is, is an exception. Um, But there's been very few games where we don't do well for a period of time and then we're not able to turn that around. So with the the Revolution, uh, it's almost like there's games within the game where no matter how well we do and and then we have to change the tempo of the game or change the attacking mode, we've done very well. And let's see if we can continue that and continue to get the points.
2: And as you mentioned earlier in that match, New York had their chances – uh, but Matt Reese came up huge in a couple of plays there with Juan Pablo on hell, uh, breaking free of the defense and having a one-on-one opportunity that Matt Reese managed to save. And then Claudio Reña kind of got free of the defense there too as well with Matt Reese coming up big. Uh, not the best shot there from him with the left foot, his weaker foot, but Reese still had an excellent game. Uh, we do have comments from Steve Nickel about the game. He was t- spoke very highly of Matt Reese among uh, others. He obviously wasn't happy with how, how fluid the game went for the Rebs about uh, the, he wasn't happy with uh, the way the rest performed in the first half particularly and didn't really think they ever got going the way that they have in past games, but certainly happy to get the three points, and we do have his comments. Have you seen
4: something like that before? I did actually a long time ago. A guy called Willie Donaghy scored an on goal for Scotland against they were playing Ireland at Hampden Park. It was exactly the same. So there. What did you like from your team tonight, Stephen? Well, the effort, I think, to be honest. The effort was there. I don't think we started particularly well. First ten minutes, we didn't really do much. Certainly, wasn't the most fluent performance we've ever had. But we made chances. We still made some chances. But we can play better. You know, we got a we got a pretty soft penalty, to be honest. Uh, we're not complaining. You know, at the end of the day, you know, Leach, Leach had a hold of his jersey, um, so I guess you can't argue. But you know, if we hadn't have got it, we wouldn't have been uh, we wouldn't have been crying over it. You know, Reese has made two huge saves tonight. You know, a few weeks ago we were talking about the mistake he made at DC. And you know one of the reasons why we don't lambast them for that is because of what you see tonight as well. So you know, you know he's going to come up trumps for you more times than he's not. So,
2: do you feel fortunate coming out here with three points, or do you feel it's
4: deserved? I'm kind of divided to be honest. I think uh, I think we made some chances, but I don't think we particularly controlled the game. Not that they did either. I mean it was a wee bit scrappy to be fair from where I was sat. But it's getting that time of the year where it's 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 points that that matter more than anything else, and we've got three tonight. Uh, we'd, we'd like to have been a lot more fluent, but we weren't. But we've got three points, so unusual way to get it, but we'll take it.
3: Steve, with the chances that uh, Jeff had at the end of the first half and, and Taylor had a couple, did you feel that there was some momentum building toward that uh, first goal in the second,
4: yes, in the second half? Yes, absolutely. We felt the last, from when they scored, uh, we really kind of took it to them. It took us that long to, to kind of get any sort of rhythm going at all, and we really just wanted to try and play the second half the way we had played the last 15. But the effort was there, as I said. There was no fluency, but the effort was there, and we've got the three points, and that's that's what, that's what it put on the board.
2: The crowd got behind you towards the end of the game. They that happy. At
4: all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things Paul and I were saying at halftime was hopefully you know shooting towards our own fans um, would would maybe give us an extra step, and I think it did.
2: This eight-game stretch, Stephen, Nisos goes six and two. That's going to be. Pretty much, is that above what you were, what you thought you were going to be able to go get this eight game August stretch?
4: I couldn't tell you the answer to that. We don't we don't think along those terms. You know, we try and win every game we play. Um, when it's pointed out that way, then obviously we're happy. But we don't. The only target we set is to win the next game. That's it. The, uh, after the game, and you talked to the
0: referee, was it
4: uh, anything? Uh, was a complaint or? Well, I was completely flabbergasted that. You know, Adam Christmas gets a free kick against them, right in the corner, and they take the free kick from inside their own penalty box. I mean, how does that work? How can you? No, what what the referee doesn't understand is that the difference in that that 20-yard difference can be the difference between us winning the game and drawing the game. If the goalie kicks the ball up the field and they they head the ball in the net, then we draw the game. He doesn't. He has no understanding of that. Clearly, clearly not.
2: With the exception of that uh, Mathis chance day you really did a much better job of seeing closing out the game in the last 10 minutes than some of the previous matches. That's that
4: something you've been working on? I mean, it's not something we've been working on particularly. It's something we, we expect and we should be able to do, you know, to try and to keep them down to the to that shot. Because obviously, we're happy with that. Uh, we won a lot of challenges at the right time, and uh, we held on.
2: Again, that was uh, Revolution head coach Steve Nichol and his thoughts on the match. Uh, something we didn't mention yet was actually Joseph's penalty miss there. Shawi uh, had yet to miss a penalty for the Rez, Uh first miss in that game. He did actually have a, a miss against, I believe it was the Red Bulls, on a penalty that was called back, and he got to take that one over and scored on that one. Uh, but in the past, we've seen Twelman miss one, and then he actually did not take another penalty since then. Uh, Ralston was the penalty taker. I don't remember if he had missed one or if he got it injured and then Joseph took over, so... Uh, do you think that Charlie will continue to be the Reds penalty taker? Certainly, he's done very well in the past, but uh, based on past records with Nickel, if it's guys like Twelman switching off, switching off as soon as he missed one? Um,
3: I, I couldn't speak for Steve Nickel, but I don't think he's the guy that makes the decisions. I think that he lets the players develop their own understanding who has that gut feeling that they want to step up. Uh, in, a, in a game like this, um, that goal would have been crucial. Uh, it, it hurt a lot at the time uh, it, it would have changed the complexion of the game but with it, 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 it has other influences beyond just that it, and Shauri would be first to tell you that having missed that goal that he needed to step up his own game and, and make up for it and I think his teammates didn't want to have us end up uh, having to look back on that as a pivotal point in the game and, and that's part of the reason why we pull out the games because it, the events that, that occur uh, change the attitudes of the players and, and the way that, uh, that that they perform. And we've got a bunch of guys who refuse to lose. And, and to me, that's the greatest thing about the team that Steve Nichols put together.
2: You mentioned uh, Shari's attitude about uh, really wanting to step up his game after that miss. We actually have his comments uh, on that miss and uh, what he said about it. Not at all. That's my mistake. I should have converted it. Adam did well to earn a penalty, and it's my fault that I didn't score it. So I just thought I got to keep playing and keep pushing, and didn't want us to lose tonight because it would have been definitely it would have been my fault. Is that where you're planning to go, where you're planning to go to that side? Yeah, there was no doubt about me. I just, o- open, I just opened up a little too much, and it went wide. Again, that was Shari Joseph uh, who missed the penalty last night. I, th- I think as far as who takes it, a lot of it goes down to confidence as far as uh, taking a penalty so it'll be interesting to see if that does actually hurt his confidence or if he's ready to step right back up next time they get one
3: yeah that can go two ways uh, uh no one shall read he'll be anxious to get back up there and, and make you forget that he missed one uh on the other hand we've got a lot of guys that are very capable uh certainly steve ralston uh taylor twelman i mean that's his job to, to score goals uh and he could be padding his total you know uh people talk about uh leaving goal scorers and moreno just set the league record but then you, you, yeah, and and he's got like over thirty penalty goals, and Taylor's got uh, single digits. So if, if Taylor could pad his total by thirty goals, he'd he'd be at the top of the charts now. But uh, I, you know, that's not what the game's about. The game's about winning individual games, getting the points, getting your team into situations to win the games, and uh, and I think that's uh, what when the decision comes down to who's going to take the next penalty kick. That, that's what's all, all that's going to be on on not only Steve Nichols but on the players' minds. Who's the best prepared and who's going to get the result and get that goal?
2: It's similar kind of the free kick situation where we saw Laurentiis have the feeling that he was going to, you know, ready to take one against Salt Lake. He stepped up and converted it uh, when you, everyone expected Rawson to take it. But uh, I guess maybe now that Joseph missed it, it's going to be more more of a question there on who who will step up. Maybe maybe who has the feeling. Maybe Twelman's ready to take another one, or if Rawson's ready to go again. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how exactly it does play out next time they get one. Uh.
3: Yeah, the, Jeff Lawrence is uh, taking that free kick, it's uh, a perfect example of how sometimes uh, somebody just wants it. And, and they will come up, they'll talk to their teammates. And, uh, you know, if, if you have mutual respect among the players and you recognize that they have that fire in their eyes, you just get out of the way and let them do it. And uh, that, so far this season, that, that guy's been Charlie Joseph because he's become a leader, he had something to prove. Uh, possibly because of the contract disputes, or uh, for for other reasons, uh, we don't know everything about the relationships of the players on the teams. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Laurentowitz wants a crack at one. But certainly Taylor has a good claim, uh, and uh, you know, and any of those guys uh, that have been successful, like Steve Ralston, uh, we could probably put other guys in there that haven't had the opportunity and would love to, and they might be better than we'd ever expect. So let's. We'll see how it sorts out.
2: You could send Matt Reese up for one of them with the way he's There you take go. That, the that, that's another
3: guy I was going to say. Let uh, let the opposing goalkeeper take the the PKs. That way, no forwards will be padding their stats. You know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, speaking of Ralston, Ralston coming back, uh, making his first appearance since he uh, suffered flu. And I actually talked to him on uh, Thursday. He talked about how how uh, he was planning to go out and play on that Sunday's game. Was feeling fine. Then he came down with the stomach virus that went through his whole entire family. Uh, so he was unable to make his flight. Uh, he was feeling better on Sunday. He felt really bad about not playing, but he also didn't feel comfortable leaving his entire family sick at the same time. Uh, but Rawlson came back and played a very solid game. Uh, he had to switch back to the left when Wells Thompson came on for Connor Smith. And we do have uh, Rawlson's comments on his game back from injury. this
0: penalty? You get
5: that goal? No, it's a, I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's disappointing. Obviously, we don't go 1 you know, 0 at home, but we knew, I mean, the game's not even, those things happen. I've missed penalties before in games, and you know, you just gotta. You, I'm sure, I know Chaz was, was upset, but you gotta try and forget about it and move on and keep playing. We came at halftime saying, you know, we can easily score two goals. You know, we we have enough guys who can put the ball in the net, you know, and we we came out. Stevie let us have it pretty good in halftime and, you know, got us going. We got a, got a quick goal.
0: There was an own goal quite like that?
5: No, I don't think. Not, not that I can remember. You know, it's, we'll take it. I mean, we've been unlucky at times, and tonight we were pretty lucky to get that one, so yeah, it's obviously i'm sure he's pretty upset but you know those things, those things happen in sports were
2: you happy with what the crowd kind of got behind you toward the end of the match yeah, it was a
5: great crowd i mean obviously it was, it, was, it was nice to see i mean we wasn't as as big as it was last last time we were here but uh i thought it was it was it was better than i thought it was going to be you know I, I thought after that one game it was going to go back to you know a little bit smaller crowd but i thought it was a really good crowd and they, and they got into it too it was nice and we we kind of feed off that so it's it's always nice to have that kind of support. Uh,
0: like the, you moved over to the left side too. Uh, is that partially to, to control there?
5: No, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I would I, prefer to be on the right, and I got
0: the
5: I got the nod to go to the left. You know, I feel like the right's my better position, but I also think it's, it's Wells' better position too. And I think they feel that, that maybe of uh, the two of us, uh, you know, I got more experience. I can play on the left. I've been out there before, so I think that's just what it comes down to. you feel
0: like um, you know, you've got it pretty much almost on pace as you were two years ago when you really had a okay. dominant season. Do you feel you're, you're approaching
5: that yeah. level? Or? You know, you know we, it depends on what game it is. I mean, the yeah. way we've been lately, it's, you know, we have one good game, one horrible game, one good game, one bad game, and um, we want to be able to put together a run a, a, of some good quality soccer, and I think a couple of years ago we did that where we were, we were really good for, for most of that season. We've been, you know, and tonight was pretty fortunate. We got pretty lucky at Houston to get a win, and I think there's been some really good bright spots, but also a few too many of those little hiccups during the season so far, so we need to get more consistent.
2: Again, that was Revolution captain and midfielder Steve Rawson and his thoughts on the game. I talked about Wells Thompson playing out on the right. Uh, we also talked to Wells Thompson last night and kind of what the coaches have been telling him as far as his play. And we can to play that one now? Yeah, the coaches really want me to go forward. Uh, I think a lot of times in, in the past I've been, I've been dropped back
6: because we play three in the back, so I've had to cover the outside mid. who has been pushing forward. Um, but James was doing a good job covering from behind, so I just kind of try to use that freedom. There's center mid. I think Clint was pushing in, in the middle a little bit, so I just try to get forward. Um, and one of my favorite things is always running, running through those balls in behind. I think I can get there you know, before the defender with my speed and stuff, so uh, that's what I look for, you know, quick starts and stuff and play them over top. Now a
1: team with uh, over 40 points, more than first overall, you're playing already in playoff? You're thinking on playoff?
6: No, nah, no, nah, not yet, man. Um, you know we're happy where we are. Um, you know, there's definitely been games that we that we've let go that uh, you know we're disappointed over, but uh, I think all in all we're happy. Um, you know we're just trying to take it one game at a time. Um, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and you know look to the playoffs. I, kinda, I guess it's kind of the cliche answer, but uh, that's <laughs> what that's what we try to do. You know, we've got a couple of days off here, um, so we're just gonna try to recuperate. It's been a
0: it's been a long couple
6: of weeks traveling and stuff like that, so. Just be ready to have out
2: at the next game. Obviously, the crowd wasn't as big as the, uh, for the Los Angeles game, but yeah. you happy with uh, the turnout tonight and the support they kind of provided towards the end of the match?
6: Yeah, it was, man. It seemed like they opened uh, behind our, the goal yeah. on that end, too. I've never seen that happen. So, yeah, I mean, I looked up. It was, uh, it's always nice to see a good crowd in the stands, you know, supporting you and stuff. So I think that helped us, gave us a little more boost.
2: Have you ever seen a going goal like that?
6: I probably have, man. I can't – nothing comes to mind right now, but, you know, it's just one of those freaky things. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone was on our side tonight, so just glad we came out with a victory.
2: Again, that was Revolution rookie uh, midfielder Wells Thompson. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here uh, before we come back with Frank Delapa. Frank had some uh, interesting articles out recently, including uh, the news that the Revs are looking into signing uh, Dusan Petkovic from uh, Serbia and Montenegro, former Serbian Montenegro international, uh, as, as well as the news that the Revs actually. Did look into signing to Nielsen, who recently signed with uh, FC Dallas. He's a certainly interesting player who uh, had a great career going for him, looked at one of the highest, uh, high transfer fee there, played in a World Cup. Uh, but now he's ended up in FC Dallas, was it recently in Saudi Arabia. It'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he has in Dallas. But interesting to see that uh, there was a possibility that he could have come to the Revs.
3: Yeah, the, the Revolution uh, have the uh, cap space and they have the slot, uh, the the slots open. And uh, it's interesting that they've looked into some of these guys, and uh, although most fans would jump at the chance to have those guys on our team, uh, with the results we've been getting, we're not in a panic situation. So the the coaching staff can evaluate these guys and and make the best choice possible. And uh, I don't know enough about uh, uh, Pekovic. Uh, I haven't seen him play, but if if he's been that impressive, where he's the man that uh, that, that they've decided on, uh, well, let's get rolling and let's bring him in and let, let's see uh, what uh, his game is like and uh, see if he can justify that decision.
2: We will take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Frank you.
1: For soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England magazine and soccernewengland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps, you'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years.
2: This is the game. Soccer, football, football. call it what you want it, it. the world's language. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say, Ole, Ole, Ole. ole, ole." If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say, Ole, Ole. I'm burning down the field, getting hotter than a toaster. I flip fake and juke like Ronaldinho. Me, I'm just a man, but look at you, you're just a nino. When we go, a 4-3-3 three, three should be illegal. Because we be making plays while you're hogging it like Schmigo. Your ego is just too big to catch the Stilo. Jogo bonito, you hit the ground like Luis Figo. Oh no, oh no, watch me give and go. Now I'm weaving through the D
1: like I'm the Ronaldo. If you could only see I'm Tati with the shot of tear beyond reach if you live for the game and it runs in your veins say ole 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 oh. ole ole if you live for the game and it runs in your veins say ole 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 oh. ole ole and now back to revolution recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined today by Tony Biscay in the studio. Tony Biscay from ResNet.com. Now over the phone, we have Frank DeLapa from the Boston Globe. Frank, can you hear me?
0: Hi, Sean. Yeah, sure.
2: Thanks a lot for joining us today.
0: Good
2: to be with you. Uh, you had a couple interesting articles out that we mentioned before the break. Uh, uh, recently, the one on Danielson. But before that, uh, Dusan Petkovic, uh, the Rev's interested in signing him. What have you seen from him so far in practice? And uh, how close do you think that is to being a done deal?
0: Uh, well, I think it's very close to being done. I, I don't think they're uh, doing this uh, for show or anything like that. I mean, they brought him all the way over here. Uh, you know, he's, he, he seems to want to be here because uh, he had a pretty good experience here uh, in '05, and they didn't sign. Uh, he got a better offer in Europe. And uh, um, I think it's going to happen. So that's uh, almost fait accompli, I would say, you know, certainly before the uh, next uh, game with D.C. United and probably before the Open Cup game. On the fourth I haven't seen him play much uh, so um, I didn't I, I don't know how, how he is but I've heard you know nothing but uh, pretty good things about him he's very uh, physical uh, player big very big guy about six foot three and uh, has a good touch and, and a great deal of experience you know he's a very athletic guy so uh, you know he's, he, we'd call it sort of a typical uh, uh, defender European defender you know who uh, you know, reads the game well and uh you know, has a lot of experience and has a real presence out there, you know, in, in composure on the ball. So we'll see. I, I, don't, I haven't seen him play uh, too much, but that's, that's uh, the scouting report on him.
2: So have you gotten any indication whether they're looking at him uh, to bring him maybe and start right away or more as an uh, option off the bench or depth?
0: Yeah, good question. You know, I mean, a guy like that was basically on the national team in Serbia, which is, you know, a very good team. Uh, you know, uh, y- you got to think he's good enough to start for uh, any team in, in this league, in the MLS. So uh, they probably would try to ease him in there. I'm not sure exactly what they what they plan to do. Uh, the back three is pretty set, you know. Uh, they do need some depth, and certainly, you know, he'll he'll get some time. There'll be plenty of time to play it. Uh, Revolution has, uh, um, you know, could play as many as like I think 12 more games with Open Cup or maybe 13 or whatever it is. If, so, you know, they're they're going to need they're going to need all the all the guys they can get.
2: I'm with Jay heaps out injured too at the moment. Uh, but you mentioned his height. Uh, that's certainly something the Revs' back line has lacked over the years and uh, certainly something that he adds to that team.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, um, you notice, like, on set pieces, and, and uh, you know, Shari Joseph is, is really the guy that's back there heading the ball out on any high balls. And, uh, you know, he, Shari has to do a lot, and and it's okay. But, you know, it would be nice if you had another guy back there that could really, uh, you know, match up. Where well, he'll come in handy is, especially against the Houston's, uh, you know, the real physical teams that, that just basically set up for set pieces and and uh, are very dangerous, you know, and they, if they get one or two free kicks or corners, you know, that could be the game. And a guy like that, you've got to think, would really, really change that dynamic.
2: You could also add it to the offense up front, possibly, on set pieces, where the revs really haven't uh, converted that many of their chances lately.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, too, Sean, because they, they're they not real dangerous. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think they that they scare the other team. You know what I mean? The other team's yeah. not really worried about so the direct, you know, free kick from Ralston or something maybe, but they don't really have to match up and, and really worry about getting overpowered by the revolution on set pieces. And that's a good point. If you brought a guy like that in, that would change the whole mix. I mean, what the other teams do is just basically, you know, just stop Twellman and figure nobody else is going to put it in, you know, off headers. So.
2: And you mentioned the, uh, the other article that you had today, talked about uh Nielsen. Uh, the rebels possibly looking at him. Uh, How did you come across that information, and do you think he could have been a help to this team?
0: I haven't seen him play lately. You know, um, uh, you know, obviously he was, he was very, very skillful player. So, uh, you know, his career doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But uh, I think the, the revolution was worried about his commitment. Uh, they, they don't think he's going to. Uh, he, he didn't want to sign for more than one year. Um, that sort of a thing. And uh, you know, it's sort of a bring him in for 10 games or whatever it is, and they, they didn't really want to do that uh, at the money that he was looking at. Now, he also, I think there was some shopping going on here, too, so he's playing one team against the other, and I for, I understand from sources outside the Revolution that, you know, he could have been had much cheaper, but then you get into a little bit of a bidding war, and, uh, you know, the price goes way up, and Dallas was the one that sort of like, you know, bid on, bid on that uh, big price, and the Revolution wasn't willing to do that.
2: Hey
3: Frank, this is Tony Bishkaya hey, from Tony. Uh, I talked to Jim Dow recently, and uh, he remembers uh, when uh, uh, Pekovic was in in '05. And uh, I didn't, I, I was there too, and uh, I wasn't watching him in particular. But Jim says, and I trust his judgment, that he was a, one of the best players on the field. Do you remember seeing those practices?
0: Yeah, I remember it was indoors, and I actually wasn't around for that. It was, I think, believe February, March, just before the season started. He was at four kicks, I think, in Norfolk. So, yeah, you guys were there. And uh, I I knew he was there, but I never saw him. So I I trust Jim, too, as well.
3: And uh, on the marketing side, though, uh, a lot of fans talk about this stuff. Bringing in a Brazilian with the large uh, population that we have in the state would be a better marketing uh, option for the Revolution versus a guy who is relatively unknown, although he might be a better quality player. And as you said, he might be making a, a bigger commitment and overall work out better for the team but um, do you think that's a factor in the decisions that the team's making or are they just strictly going for the on-field product
0: yeah i think uh, i think the coaches are just going for on field uh, i'm not sure how a Danielson would fit in in the sense that uh you know he kind of like spends a lot of time on the ball you know and uh and and just sits out on the left wing and you know i i think he's a you know an excellent player but i'm not sure how that fits in with, they they like to move the ball very quickly down the wings you know and I'm not sure he he does that now now that would work out okay if he had a you know another guy or two or three guys with him that would sort of uh, make that happen uh, I don't think they're looking at it in a marketing way at all if you look at this time of year for the last few years the guys they've brought in are guys like Steve Howie uh, Ricardo Phillips uh, a bundes last year you know it's just a real mixed bag you you never know what you're going to get but uh, um, i got to think Petkovic is, is probably the best out of all those guys, you know, in terms of physical conditioning and, uh, and, and where he is in his career. <laughs> he just happens to be a defender, you know. I'm not sure exactly that's what were, their first priority is, but, uh, you know, there's really uh, what I'm saying is there's almost no explaining it. You know, th- these guys they, they bring in, uh, that they bring in at this time of year, are you could never predict uh, where they're coming from.
3: Do you think that the uh, uh, sour experiences that we've had with trying to bring in Brazilians in the past uh, might have had a little bit of impact in the decision, too?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know what the contacts are in Brazil. You know, I, I'm not, you don't have anybody down there looking at players all the time. I don't really think it's a part of the, this organization's consciousness to really look at Brazil or, or very many of the MLS teams. You know, I. Uh, haven't really looked down there very very closely or, or Argentina or, or really anywhere in, in South America it's never been a part of the MLS's program uh, you know certainly they've had scouts down there and you know some really good players have come here but not on a consistent basis I mean if you look at the early years of the league and then lately a bit of a revival with uh, some players coming here you know the, the players are there it's just that we haven't really had any consistency a real pipeline where you could be bringing those guys in
3: DC seems to have done pretty well though
0: Right. Yeah, that's kind of a recent development. Uh, you know, and it could have been. Uh, they should have been doing it all along. I would think there's no reason why not.
2: And you mentioned uh, about uh, Pekovich in your article. Uh, two things that Nickel sounded like was looking to bring him in for more. You know, for a couple of years, uh, and also that in the scrimmage that he was playing in uh, against the Revolution Stars as part of a four-four-two. Uh, do you foresee the Rebs maybe changing formations uh, when this player comes in?
0: No,
1: maybe I'm, not
2: this part in the season, but next year. But uh also he's probably a guy who hasn't really seen uh time in a 352 but certainly a lot of the other Revolution defenders had not either before coming to the team.
0: Yeah, right, that's a good point, Sean. I, I don't they they say no, they're going to stay in the 352 definitely uh but you've noticed a few times this year they they've altered it a little bit and uh I'm not sure if he's adapted to a 352. Is that he, he seems like a real central player, so you know, he, he seems like perfect for a 442 right next to um parker's but i'm told that's not the plans right now but it certainly could evolve into that and very quickly i, I would think it might
2: and uh as far as the upcoming week do you have any plans uh on articles you might see this upcoming week
0: yeah right i um let's see there's not too much going on now the team has a little bit of time off so i would think uh you know i'll try to monitor that uh, situation with petkovich i think that's actually probably the you know the, the biggest story that they have going on there uh you know what it implies. Uh, they they say they're actually trying to get another player, but more of an attacking player. But uh, I'm not sure if that's uh, where where that stands. But certainly that'll be part of the what we'll look at too.
3: Hey Frank Tony again. Um, you, you've been part of the revolution scenes from the start. You're probably the longest writing uh, local uh, sports uh, uh, guy. Um, uh, you've seen people come and go. You, you not only on the field and with the team, but also in the, in the journalism field. Um, I'm just curious, what how, what kind of feedback do you get writing for a major publication in, in a big city like Boston? Uh, we know what people talk about, like on the big soccer boards, and, of course, they always want more. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious what kind of feedback you get from the average sports fan that, that writes uh, in response to your article. So they generally positive? Are they soccer bashing? or the, What kind of response do you get?
0: Yeah, I think I can probably get basically the same response you guys get, to tell you the truth. The people that are into it, that are interested, uh, you know, um, their, their uh, feedback is, is extremely, uh, I would say, um, passionate and, uh, and knowledgeable. I think they're really appreciative. I think it's a sophisticated audience. I think they understand what's going on. Um, I think they're happy to have stories in there. And, uh, you know, the people that aren't interested, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, that's what keeps the Globe uh, publishing stories and what makes the team go is, is, is all, all of those fans. There's thousands of them. I don't know how many, but, you know, there's a lot. And that's that's why we write the stories. And every every piece of feedback we get, positive or negative, you know, goes into that equation. Uh, the people that aren't interested, you know, I, I don't really get uh, the bashing too much at all. You know, I know it's it's there, but, you know, it seems to – be pretty irrelevant these days although you know you do hear it but uh yeah it it doesn't seem
3: have you noticed any kind of a trend since the beckham announcement and uh the the higher visibility
0: yeah right i think uh every time something like that happens it 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 does send out uh ripples you know and uh that got a lot of you know a lot of writing in the globe uh outside of the sports page people writing about it and uh you know obviously didn't play here so um it didn't have as much effect as it might have, but yeah, I think that's that 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 opened people's eyes, and that's that's going to have a, a big effect over the next uh, few months and years. And, do, uh, do you think the
3: league will continue to pursue that concept, and that we'll see more high-profile players next year and in the future?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it will. I think it's it's not just now. It's it's gonna it's not just him. It's gonna be more guys. This opens the door. I mean, there's no turning back now. Uh, you, you, you want to keep the salary caps and you know some control on spending, but once you, once you start bringing in high profile guys, there's really no turning back. And I, you know it's a really exciting uh, development. It's just where it's going to go, you know. But they're going to keep bringing in guys. Everybody's going to see what this you know that that big crowd in New York uh, week two weeks ago, a uh, week ago, you know that that's what the league needs and wants. And uh, you know they're they're going to keep trying to do that wherever they can.
2: Well, you speak of a. Uh... Speaking of uh, these big-name players, uh, what do you think of how the league and uh, the Galaxy have handled this Beckham situation? I'm flying to England, coming right back, and uh, playing 90 minutes the next day, and now missing out on a away game against Colorado, against fans who are hoping to see him, especially probably thinking they were going to see him, too, the way he's been starting and playing these matches lately. Uh, Have they handled that in the right way?
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Sean. I I don't think so at all. I think, uh, you know, know, at one time, you remember, there was like a FIFA directive that players could not play. You know, certainly in FIFA tournaments, that many games, you know, two games in in 24 hours, you know, and flying 10,000 uh, 10, or what was it, uh, 12,000 miles. Uh, that's not – so, no, they haven't handled him the right way. He, he's having to do too much. I think England England didn't need to bring him in for that one. That didn't help England or Beckham that much to, to bring him all the way there. And certainly it didn't help L.A. and uh, – no, I, I think that uh, he needs – I think you, you saw the last game. I think they've got Abel Xavier is playing next to him in the midfield. He's a defender, uh, you know, so that leaves their defense weak. You know, they, they know they have to have somebody next to him that understands him, that can enforce a little bit and protect him. Uh, they should have brought in, you know, three guys. I, I think, you know, you bring in – every team brings in three guys, not just one. You know what I mean? you bring in in Beckham and, and Abel Xavier and one or two other guys in those key positions so you're not so thin and, and uh, you know, and, and he has the guys around him that work. And then then you build a team that way.
2: You mentioned uh, the two games uh, playing so close together in two different days uh, in a row. The, the league itself has its own directive with the reserve league matches that a player can't play, you know, 90 minutes of one match and then the next day go and play in that. So it's interesting that, the, you know, the Galaxy are contradicting that right there, having a player not only play the next day but go through a – you know, twelve twelve-hour flight from England all the way to Los Angeles to play in that match, especially.
0: Yeah, and this is this is the guy that with a huge you know you have a huge investment in this guy too. It's one thing if a reserve player you know twists an ankle or something, but it's another thing if this guy that you put so much money into can't play, and he couldn't. I mean, he he could not play the really much of the second half of the last game. He was he was exhausted and injured, and now he's out. So. Yeah, that's it's not it's not good. They haven't. You you follow that policy for a reason, you know, and you you can't burn burn these guys out.
3: Frank, uh, do you think it's imperative that uh, the the teams that these players uh, like Beckham with L.A. and uh, you know New York with a couple of their high-profile players, and uh, do you think that we need to have those guys uh, in the playoffs and having successful seasons, or, or will it backfire if those guys come in and they can't help their team and they can't make the playoffs? Well. Will that be uh, reflected on by the European uh, journalists as saying that it, it's all just a, uh, you know, like a, a marketing trick? Or the, how do you think that's going to play out?
0: Yeah, I think the LA situation is not a good situation because the team doesn't look like it's going anywhere, and uh, it's uh, they, they haven't taken care of the other business. They've gotten the Beckham and Xavier uh, and they've got Landon Donovan, but they haven't taken care of the rest of the. The situation. Now, Chicago is a different one. Chicago is going to probably look pretty good, you know, and certainly uh, the media in Latin America is going to see see what they did with Blanco and Juan Chope, and they'll probably do okay. So uh, there's always going to be backfired moves, but uh, this, the L.A. one seems to be a sort of a self, self-destructing self one. Uh, Dallas, we, we don't know, with the Nielsen, uh, Juan Pablo Ángel going to New York, I think really helped them a lot. So uh, I think in the future... I, I think these moves will will help teams, and yeah, I think they need to they need to succeed here, but I think they will I think Beckham you can see can really help the team he's very still a very good player
2: and the next game for the Revs not coming for another ten days, uh but the team has really kind of changed their attitude toward the open cup in the past few years where they've been playing uh really the starters as opposed to uh, playing more backup players and letting the starters rest in those matches uh first of all what do you what do you think that change has happened from and also, with the 10 days rest, is there any chance that we see the Rebs come out rusty? Uh, in that match, obviously, with uh, Kansas City having a 17-day rest, certainly didn't help them. Uh, 10's a little bit shorter, but still the chance that uh, going that long without a game, having four days rest, the uh, team might have trouble coming out from that break, right?
0: Yeah, you sure do. I, I mean, you saw that with Kansas City. Uh, they probably should have played a couple of games in there, set something up, because they were, they were half a step slow, even though they, were, they had fresh legs and everything else. The Revolution was, was game-sharp, you know, and uh, that's a good question uh, for, for the next game for the Revolution. Certainly uh, having the, the Open Cup game on the 4th will help them for the ninth, you know, when they play D.C., because they will have had a, you know, a good game in there. So uh, we'll see. I, I guess the timing couldn't be much better in that sense. You get a little bit of a break, and then you play, you know, uh, a USL team. You should be able to play them, you know, even, even if you're not in, in full form, you know, and then go to D.C.,
2: and Carolina, not even a it's very strong USL team as far as their performances in the league play towards the bottom of the table.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, uh, you never know with those teams. Uh, certainly, the, I thought that Harrisburg team wasn't too bad that came in here, really, uh, with a lot of really no-name guys. You know, so uh, I know Connolly Adosian is playing for Harrisburg, and uh, you know he's he's a handful. It's still, one of the, to me, it's still one of the better players the Revolution ever had in terms of skill and athleticism. It just didn't didn't translate to the field.
2: Well, I'll let you go now. But uh, speaking of Harrisburg, they actually just won the Division Two title, and they certainly gave the Revs a little bit of a game, especially in the second half. There. Uh Division Two title over the Richmond Kickers, who who are the Carolina uh, RailHawks, actually beat to advance to the semifinal. So that uh, should be an interesting matchup uh, come next Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I think it actually be a good game. I mean, again, you know, it'll be us and you know whoever shows up to watch that game. But uh, those, those were pretty interesting games. I know Sean was in uh, Rochester for that. Uh, one of the better games of the year, really, a, a very, very competitive, you know, spirited game, you know, went down very dramatic, finished 4-2 revolution, and, uh, you know, it would probably be the same thing in New Britain.
3: <laughs> Frank, uh, one, one last question before you go. Um, the, the, the players and the coaches have their own feelings about the relevance of U.S. Open Cup versus the league games. Um, at, as a, a, a person that reports to the uh, general American public, I'm sure that's underappreciated, but personally, how do you feel about that
0: tournament? Yeah, no, I, I, I really, I think it's a, uh, an essential part of, of uh, sport, and certainly of soccer. You know, is, is the Open Cup. I mean, it's played in every country, and uh, you know, it just, um, you know, symbolizes the sport itself, where anybody can get involved in, it, anybody can play. The, the doors aren't shut. Uh, you know, if you, if you're good enough, you, you know, you can play and, and compete against everybody in the MLS. You know, unlike the NASL in the '70s and '80s, which did not participate in the Open Cup you know, puts it out there on the line and takes on those teams. I think they need to uh, promote it a little more, put a little more money into it, and then then, uh, it'll take on more importance. Uh, You know, it's it's a classic thing. I mean, it's it's 88 years uninterrupted. uh, You know, they played it with no media coverage with, uh, you know, through World Wars, through everything, that that tournament continues. So I think it really, it's it's actually important, even though uh, the mainstream media and, and the public doesn't know much about it. Well
2: thanks a lot for joining us today. Okay Sean
0: Tony good to be with you. Thanks, thanks
2: for the great work in covering the revs. Thanks guys. Right uh, okay. well, we're going to take another quick break here and then we'll be back with some more revolution recap.
1: For soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England magazine and soccernewengland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps, you'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue joined here by Tony Vizcaya. Taking a look at some of the scores from across the league. Uh, Currently right now, Los Angeles Galaxy, minus several of their star players, Donovan Xavier, Beckham, all not playing in that game. They actually only have a five-man bench, uh, losing 2-0 to to the Colorado Rapids that game 41 minutes in. Uh, Colin Clark and Connor Casey both with their first goals of the season. Uh, Certainly not looking good for the Galaxy's playoff chances right now.
3: Uh, no, it's not. And uh, as we discussed with Frank, um, you know, when you have those high-profile players and you have their attention concentrated on a team, and then not only do you not see the star players, but then you see the, the team uh, stumble and, and uh, not be able to win. Uh, it's been four games since Beckham joined them. This is the fifth, and they will not have earned any points yet. So that's kind of an embarrassment. Uh it doesn't really speak to the individual accomplishments of Beckman, Beckham because he's played outstanding. I couldn't ask any more from the guy. Or even uh, uh, Abel Chevier, he's, he's performed when he has played. He's played very well. But uh, yet when, when the media that normally doesn't cover the sport does uh, present uh, some of the highlights, that it's, it's difficult to present it in a, in a positive uh, light when, when the team that has those stars is, is not doing well
2: you got to wonder if those players might have been playing today, or at least some of them, if they didn't have the big Super League or final match on Wednesday, and uh, whether or not the team's putting a little too much focus on that. Uh, they've been doing actually well in that tournament, uh, compared to their league play, where they've really struggled.
3: And, and that could compensate for their failure in the league uh, championship, because if they win that, that is uh, a, a fairly prestigious, uh, highly competitive tournament, and uh, Uh, Honestly, I've been very pleasantly surprised. The competition level in that tournament has been outstanding. That's one for a new tournament. uh, I I hope it continues for many years. I think it's a great concept. I think it will win us a a lot of respect from the Latino fans, not only the Mexicans because they are the major opponents we have, but uh, uh, all the uh, followers of Latin soccer throughout the country and throughout the continent are watching that, and they're seeing that the MLS teams can hold their own and and do very well.
2: Interesting also, considering the Galaxy, uh, should should the tournament have been different different as far as uh, entrances not being invitation-only like it was this year, uh, the Galaxy might not have been in that tournament, and now here they are making it to the final.
3: And and the flip side of that is that the Revolution maybe deserves and should have been there and could be the ones having that success, and we're not.
2: We also have to wonder if the Galaxy uh, don't make the playoffs, it really might hurt the league as far as attention and media attention uh, going into the playoffs and kind of the, really the premier games of the season.
3: That's that's true, and that's uh, again part of the overall concept of where they're spending all the big money to to import some uh, players that get the high visibility. And then uh, if if they do well, but yet the team doesn't get the results uh, in the long term, how does that play out? I I think. Uh, a a part of it is the the timing I think that all these guys were brought in a little bit too late in the season if Beckham had been here two months prior uh, and even Blanco uh, the the teams that they're playing for would have uh, gained more ground they'd be up up in the league tables a little bit more and then uh, that attention would have uh, focused on a successful team rather than one that's stumbling Uh, so maybe Major League Soccer will learn from that and maybe in, in the future the the player transactions uh, can be made to happen a little earlier.
2: Well, as I mentioned, that looking at some of the other scores around the league, Tigno Blanco had a goal and an assist in uh, their victory uh, in that match. Uh, so, certainly, Chicago's a team that's turned things around against Kansas City Wizards, who uh, had been doing very well uh, until lately. Chicago, a team that certainly has a good chance of making the playoffs with 26 <laughs> points, a better chance of the Galaxy.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the the white uh, the playoff race is still fairly wide open. Um, uh, even the supporter shield race right now, uh, Chivas is uh, somewhat out of sight, but they've they've been playing very well lately. Um, but
2: they also have several games in hand as well. It,
3: exactly, and 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 as does DC. So you know, it, it's not necessarily. Uh, where we are right now, the, the next few weeks are going to be crucial. you know I, I actually I would predict that uh, going into the last uh, couple of weeks of the season, that there's going to be a lot of things left to be determined up to that point.
2: And speaking of the supporter shield, another crucial game for that uh, was Columbus and Houston Dynamo facing off in Houston, uh, Houston certainly a team with a chance at that supporter shield, but Columbus tied them uh, on the road and even down a man. They scored early, uh, went down a man and managed to hold on for a tie. Uh, possibly could have could have actually come away with a win the way they were playing before uh, that ejection occurred. So that certainly is going to hurt Houston's chances going on. Um, the other score last night was D.C. United beating Toronto one to nothing. D.C. Uh, DC's another team that r- race, also a team in the Eastern Conference race that the Revs are going to need to watch out for, uh, as we previously mentioned. Uh, but the Revs do have 10 games off, I mean 10 days off, in between this game and their next game. So it uh, will be good time for the rest after having an extremely busy schedule where they've had games. Uh, basically every, twice every week
3: definitely definitely uh r- right now the, the 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 bodies are hurting you know uh i was surprised that uh well not not really surprised that we won but uh the effort that was put out yesterday and and pulling out that victory uh you know that these guys could use that rest and uh, <clears throat> as you were saying to to frank we don't really want to take too much of a layoff. We need, it, it's good that the players, I, I believe everybody's off for like three or four days entirely. They're just going to be allowed to uh, be away from soccer and then they'll come back and recoup and uh, hopefully we'll get a result in that U.S. Open Cup game. I think that uh, that would be a, a great first trophy for the Revolution if we could uh, bring that one in. Uh, it would have special significance because that's a trophy by the supporters, for the supporters. Uh, of course, played for by the team, and uh, it, it's a team achievement. But I, I think that uh, the the team would appreciate that they are rewarding their supporters, winning that tournament. It means a lot because you've been the best team all year, and then uh, that that would be a, a really nice note to go into MLS Cup.
2: In talking about uh, the the day's rest, we do have comments from uh, Jeff Laurentowitz and uh, what he thought about the upcoming rest, and certainly thinking thinking it's coming at a great time for the team.
6: It's good. It's good. I would consider all 10 days are off. I mean, we'll be back training for the Open Cup. But, I mean, it's, it's another game that we're completely focused on because uh, Open Cup is something that, that we've missed in the last couple of years, and, and now we've got a great opportunity, especially playing in New England. So something we're looking forward to.
2: And that was Jeff Runtowitz and his thoughts on the break, I'm being happy to have the rest, but also talking about the importance that the team's put on the Open Cup this year and really trying to win that competition.
3: I think that's true going back a couple of seasons now before that it seemed like uh, maybe we didn't always put our best players even if they were available but uh i st- I think Steve Nichol uh, uh played in a few himself and I think he understands that uh that you know it it's it is an achievement for the team it's something that's recognized by the knowledgeable fans although not by the general public yet but uh, as Frank was saying if we get the publicity and uh it, it, it Romantically speaking, it's it's just such a nice concept that the, I think that the American fans would embrace that that it's available to all the underdogs and that anything could happen. We've seen how that's played out o- overseas in England and people love that concept. and And I hope that, uh, that the Revolution can make that their first trophy. <laughs> well,
2: you we do have to wrap things up here, but I'd like to again mention that Tony's revnet.com and the new writer Brian O'Connell is joined joined alongside Jim Dow and the great photos Tony puts up there. Uh, certainly a great site that any Revs fan should check out, uh, particularly this season with some of the great content, that, content that's been on there. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about the Open Cup a little bit more. Uh, hope, hopefully, get someone from Carolina actually come on the show. Uh, speaking of the games that's going on right now, Colorado are actually up now three to nothing on the Galaxy at halftime. So uh, certainly not not going up for good for the Galaxy. But uh, thanks for joining us tonight. The Revs next game is not till September fourth. Again, that's seven o'clock in New Britain, Connecticut, U.S. Open Cup semifinal. Certainly check that one out if you get the chance. A uh, big game for the Revs and could send them on their way to the final.
3: Thanks for having me, Sean, and uh, hopefully you invite me back for the post MLS Cup win show.
2: And again, you can get the archives at revolutionrecap.com.
1: Fifty years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is 1380 WNRI, Woonsocket.